Crawl Space. Here we are tonight, Lance, to introduce a seller series of sorts where we have about six different podcasters on this episode. Very quick interviews, but uh, we, we pack in the information and we pack in the different personalities, and it was all recorded at CrimeCon in Indianapolis. Yeah, it was a fantastic time, and getting the opportunity to interview the the podcasters who we look up to who we're we're in the same new industry with and i think we're all kind of realizing as a community how important this industry is especially this genre of true crime and and culture and society uh and it was it was just really cool to see people i I felt like we were mingling amongst the pioneers of something really great so the people that we talked to for this episode the first one is Billy Jensen, who wrote the excellent article in Boston Magazine called Will the Internet Find More Amari? It was an, it was an article uh, published back in 2014. Um, very cool guy, Billy Jensen. He works for Crime Watch Daily now. We also talked to Robin from The Trail Went Cold. We talked to Mike from Pleasing Terrors, Nina from Already Gone, the lovely ladies from the Insight podcast. And you'll hear a great story about the ladies from the Insight podcast with uh, their travel and how they met and how they got to be uh, what they are now. It's it's super. I was super fascinated by that. Yeah, all the interviews have something really fun in them. And we talked to Justin and Aaron from the Generation Y, and also Nancy Grace. Yep, Nancy Grace was awesome, and it was really cool when we arrived to CrimeCon. Justin and Aaron were probably the first two people that we saw in the crowd that we recognized they recognized us and they showed us into podcast row and they said you guys are over here and it was again it was a really special moment to be a part of something that we obviously are uh developing as an industry and and realizing that this is going to uh be something a lot bigger i, I kind of feel like we're working in when when television was first being being in, you know distributed and and shown to to the public as something that's consumable and mike from pleasing terrors owes us an email he will be traveling up to new england and we will be looking at some uh haunted and or allegedly haunted locations with him, hopefully for a uh, joint live episode, which was pretty exciting when we talked to him. But that's what happens when you talk to these people there. You realize that everybody has these interests and and they're all stimulating and they're all somehow along your interest line. And there were a few podcasters that we missed for this episode, guys that we wanted to talk to. We, uh, we had a really hilarious conversation with Captain from True Crime Garage on Saturday night. Actually, he was really cracking us up. Uh, for about 10 minutes straight uh, and we met Nick as well who was great but uh, but he was only there for Friday so we really wanted to get them a part of this episode but uh, we couldn't um, and Bob Ruff also who we ran into but uh, didn't really have the time to interview so I think those are two podcasts and podcasters that we will have on future Seller Series episodes alright so I hope you enjoy this mishmash of personalities from CrimeCon 2017 and big shout out and thank you to everyone at CrimeCon especially Elise who is our contact and was really just a joy to work with so thank you very much for listening and thank you to everyone involved in this and follow us on Twitter at CrawlSpacePod and if CrimeCon 2017 is any indication of how amazing CrimeCon 2018 is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, then you should get online 
and book your reservation as soon as possible. Okay, my name is Billy Jensen. I'm a investigative reporter. I'm in a television show called Crime Watch Daily. I also do a lot of my other stuff, and I'm a writer. And I met you guys uh, after I wrote the story on Maura Murray for Boston Magazine. That was three years ago, four years ago, something along those lines, yeah. And uh, being sucked into that vortex of Maura Murray was, uh, it's still there. It's still, t- you know, today. I'm looking forward to your guys' panel. you got James right here. Was it, when, when you saw where you were sitting, were you surprised that you were sitting right next to James Renner? Uh, no, actually, we were the first table here, okay. and then James showed up a little later on, and he's like, do you mind if I put my table right there? Okay. So if anybody's trolling anybody, it's James is trolling you guys. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah. So, uh, quick question about the, the uh, Boston Magazine article. Yeah. Um, how long did you immerse yourself into that article? Because it was a really thorough article. Probably and about a year. Okay. Yeah, it was about a year. Um, I had known about the case. Uh, you know, this was before all the podcast explosions and everything. But I had known about the case. I had known about what was... Uh, I didn't know how many rabbit holes there were. I used to tell people that, you know, JFK assassination, which is how I started getting into this as a, like a 10-year-old kid... Yeah. That had so many rabbit holes because you've got like the magic bullet and the three tramps and the grassy knoll and all this. When you get into the Moore Murray case, you start getting into those rabbit holes like the rag in the tailpipe and the wine on the ceiling and, and um, all of you know, the bus, the, the, the A-frame house and the school bus driver. And there are some people that can go down those rabbit holes and then never come back, you know. And uh, that was what fascinated me about this case was that there were particularly online, there were a lot of people trying to solve it. Uh, you had a lot of creepy things that were going on online. Uh, you had a lot of proprietary people that were trying to trying to hold on to information. And and uh, at the end of the day, it was this, you know, it was a, a woman who was, was obviously in some turmoil in her life and was trying to figure things out and was going up to a place that she felt sanctuary for. And we don't know what happened when she took that that wicked turn and uh, smashed into the, into the snowbank. So... Uh, it was just, you know, it's a classic mystery, and it's something that I wanted to dig deep into, and Boston Magazine gave me the opportunity to dig deep into it on the, at the same time, bring in all the people that, like James and all the people that are trying to solve it, and, and talking to Fred and, and everybody, and really just, you know, and talking to Fred and seeing Fred have his daughter's life picked apart when we really don't know what happened, you know, and uh, it's, it's still a fascinating case. What is it about uh, this case that you... Most, most cases kind of lose traction after 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. What do you think? This seems to be gaining traction nonstop and gaining momentum. What do you think it is about the case that, that keeps people digging, that, yeah. that aren't officially licensed to do so? I think it's, the, it's a combination of you guys. It's a combination of just um, the explosion of true crime. And people are out there, all right, well... I finished making a murder. I finished the jinx. What do I going to get into now? I finished serial. What is this? More Murray. And then they see it, uh, you know, they see it in the iTunes store or whatever, and then they start getting into it and into it. And there's so many pathways to go down. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crimes that don't have a lot of red herrings. And red herrings is something that you traffic in in television. You traffic in it in, in what you guys do on podcasts. And this one has a lot of red herrings, but one of, one of those is going to be the truth. But there's a hell of a lot of red herrings in this one. 
So there's a lot of talking points, and it's something that, at the end of the day, people want to sit around and talk about at their local pub. You think about it that way. So if there's a if there's a case that somebody would want to go to a bar and talk about for an hour, that's probably going to be something that's going to capture people's imagination. Yeah. And uh, but at the end of the day, we still want to think about the victim, and this is a girl that is what I think is probably dead. And uh, you know, but the idea there's also, and, and I'll I'll add on to that. There's also the idea, the possibility that she is alive which makes it that much more fascinating because somebody could look into this thing for 15 years and then if she pops up, it's like, holy shit. Same way with the Lindbergh baby, you know. My name is uh, Robin Warder. I host a podcast called The Trail Went Cold, which has been around for nearly a year and a half now. I cover cold cases and unsolved mysteries and a lot of cases that were actually featured on the TV show, Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, my own MO is to pretty much analyze the case and then spend the second half of the episode giving my own personal theories and analysis of what happened. So to be clear, you cover the cases that Unsolved Mysteries has previously, this show from the 80s, yes. with Robert Stack, they've previously covered and you, you go into a more in-depth um, uh, a detailed in, uh, look at those uh, episodes, at those cases. It's true. Like, not all the cases I covered on the podcast are Unsolved Mysteries, but there are a lot of, like, certain cases where there's a lot of information left out of the episodes, and so you have to go searching online to find out more, and it puts, like, a new spin on the case. That's fascinating. Yes. What is one of the more interesting uh, facts that you put out on your podcast that wasn't on the Unsolved Mysteries show? Well, if you watch Amazon Prime, they have an old segment from the first season of Unsolved Mysteries about the murder of a woman named Doreen Picard. And at the time, they had no idea who did it. But then at the end, they put up a new title card saying that a man named Raymond Beaver Tempest was convicted of the murder in 1992 and was released in 2015. But there's actually a huge story behind that. It turns out his conviction was overturned because he may have been wrongfully convicted. He wasn't just released. And there's like a huge backstory that was not covered on Unsolved Mysteries about police corruption and how they may have convicted an innocent man. And now that he's been released, they're deciding not whether or not to retry him. Like, if you watch the segment on Amazon Prime, you won't know any of this stuff. But if you listen to my podcast, you'll get the full story. Well, it's funny. The first case I covered was one where there was zero information about the case outside of Unsolved Mysteries. It's about the death of a woman named Aileen Conway. So I just decided to, like, at first do this one where I analyze the case, give my own personal opinions and theories. But then I started finding more and more cases where you go searching on the Internet and you find out there is so much more to this case than was originally presented on television and you can find it at trailwentcold.com and also on facebook the trail went cold and on twitter my handle robin warder and uh what do you think of crime con so far it's been amazing uh i've met so many fans i I, it's kind of overwhelming when you find out that how big of fans of the show they are when they come up to meet you and they approach you not off of podcast row like i was in like the dateline segment and a fan came up to me just to say how much they enjoyed the show and i got to have my own private party with some of my listeners where i did a live reading of one of my upcoming minisodes and it's just been great meeting all the fellow podcasters a lot of people i've only met online and now i'm finally meeting them in person it's a crazy uh, new industry, right? Exactly. Yes. And it's overwhelming to be here. I'm actually the, probably the only Canadian podcaster here. I drove all the way from Ottawa, 12 hours. <laughs> but I felt this was so worthwhile. 
Yeah, take that, Jordan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, what do you have to say to people who listen, who are like, oh, yeah, I don't know about CrimeCon 2018 in Nashville. I'm not sure if I want to go to that. Well, definitely go to that. If you are into podcasts and you want to meet your favorite podcasters, it's a grand opportunity because they are so accessible. They always want to hang out and talk with their fans. And you can meet a lot of like famous crime personalities like Nancy Grace, Josh Mankiewicz, Aaron Moriarty. You just see them walking around the hotel and you can just approach them and ask for a picture. It's just very exciting to finally have an outlet like this for true crime buffs. Now, would you say that you're the Robert Stack of podcasters? Well, I mean, I, I wish I had Robert Stack's voice, but <laughs> a lot of people have joked that if they want to reboot Unsolved Mysteries, they would like to have me as the host. I don't know about that, but <laughs> it's a compliment when they say that. Can you give us your best Robert Stack impression? If you have any information on this case, please call our toll-free number, 1-800-876-5353. I'm Nina Instead. I'm the host of the Already Gone podcast. I focus on old and cold cases from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Is there a particular case that you're uh, working on or have worked on that stands out? That, uh, that Yes, the Oakland County Child Killer case, which is a series of unsolved child murders from Oakland County in Michigan between 1976 and 1977. I was a child at the time, and one of the victims went to my elementary school, and two of the victims were abducted from within half a mile of my house. This is my boogeyman. I was four or five and they were you know nine to twelve and it literally was happening in my neighborhood so it was you know I was this young child sort of coming becoming aware as a person and these terrible murders were taking place and there was a lot of fear in the community and is this unsolved it is unsolved I do not think it's going to be solved too long I from what I've read and from Interviews done with families of the victims, a lot of the evidence was allegedly mishandled by the Michigan State Police, and it was used to train officers rather than being preserved for later use and DNA analysis. And I really do think that too much time and too many different agencies have been involved for it to be resolved. Now this exists, uh, you've done episodes about this, are you going to continue to do episodes about this? Are you going to continue working on it? I am. I had a conversation with an Oakland County Sheriff who's now retired, and I asked him about it because he was active in law enforcement at the time of the murders, and his theory was so different from anything that I've ever heard that I'm really tempted to start exploring it from his angle. I'd like to do another episode, but it would be later in the year. I have a hard time working on this case in my home and bringing it into my home where my my children, who are the same age as the victims, are. And last year when I wrote these episodes, I was in Florida. And it was the only place I could work on it. What would you say to someone who's on the fence about attending CrimeCon 2018 in Nashville? I think you should absolutely plan to attend. It has exceeded my expectations both as a fan and as a content producer. It's been fantastic to connect with listeners, which I've enjoyed tremendously. But then also the variety of presenters and the panels during the day has just been overwhelming. It's You, you get to a certain hour and you're not sure where to go because everything is so tempting and you want to attend it. Would you say that they knocked it dead? They absolutely knocked it dead. Wait, no? They killed it. My name is Mike Brown, and my podcast is called Pleasing Terrors. And it's a a mixture of history and ghost stories and folklore and true crime. The, The very first episode that I did was about the Elisa Lamb 
case at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. And uh, when I watched the video of the last video of her in the elevator, one of the things I noticed was that she was wearing a red hooded sweatshirt. And so what I did in the episode was I sort of paralleled the stories of Red Riding Hood and Elisa Lamb and talked about how, you know, they'd both gone on a trip into a dangerous place and how ultimately Red Riding Hood was lost in the belly of the wolf and Elisa Lamb was lost in the belly of the water tank on the roof of the Cecil. So that's what I try to do with a lot of the episodes is I try to blend things like that together. Like uh, the the reality of it with um, like a parable or something. Yeah, yeah. To to try to find something in it that um, that yeah. To, if there's a way to mix in not only maybe the ghost story but the a murder, and then maybe something from folklore or fairy tales that will all sort of come together in one story. Do you have any fear that that might? Um, and I'm not saying it does, but do you have any uh, fear that that might diminish the importance of the uh, of, of the crime itself? Well, I, th- I think it's all about the tone. You know, I, I, don't, I don't try to be whimsical. If anything, you know, when you look, for example, at most fairy tales and folklore, the original, the oldest versions are very dark and, and were originally intended to warn people against, uh, you know, the dangers in the world. And so they, they tend to actually fit very well with, with a crime. Do you focus geographically on any uh, location? Well, most of my stories, I, I've done 21 episodes. Uh, the first 19 were all set in the United States, and then I did one in England, uh, set in England, and then I did one in Canada, for the most part. The latest episode was about Wendigos and, and cannibalis- you know, cannibalistic spirits, and so uh, that one tended to be more Canada than the United States. You're obviously a believer in the paranormal? I'm sort of an unusual case for a indie podcaster in that my day my day or my night job is I give ghost tours for a living so I've been giving telling ghost stories professionally for 20 years so I started I started off a skeptic but over the years uh, I've had a lot of things happen that have well just this past February and I I actually did a two-part episode on this I spent the night alone in a haunted jail uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I'm from. And uh, there was just a lot of stuff going on that night. You know, weird voices and doors opening and closing. And it was really intense. It's hard to be so dismissive. Yeah, yeah, yeah you actually, like, experience these things. Yeah, in that case, yes. Most of the time it's just me hearing about somebody else's experiences. But I sort of put myself in that position of being alone inside the jail exactly because... I wanted to be in a position to have the... I wanted to have a story myself that I can tell. You scared? I was terrified. Absolutely. Um, what, uh, how's CrimeCon treating you so far? It's been great. You know, I, I, it's been amazing getting to meet my fellow podcasters. and I, It's given me an opportunity to learn about some new shows that I, I hadn't listened to yet. No, this has been fantastic. I look forward to doing it again next year. I'm Ali from Insight. I'm Charlie from Insight. We generally cover unsolved crimes and mysteries. Um, If we do a solved true crime, it's usually something that changed something in society, whether how the media behaved or a legal issue. We did Alison Baden Clay, which is an Australian case, and that changed domestic violence, and there was a foundation set up. Now, I noticed a slight accent difference between the two of you, just a slight... It's, yeah, it's mostly her. 
It's mostly Charlie. But um, how do you how do you uh, connect when you when you record when you do your episodes? We talk on video Skype, but we record separately, like our own track. So when we line them up, it doesn't sound like a phone call. Yes, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yay! <laughs> we're all brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know what we're doing. All right. So, what is a case that has stood out to you that um, that, that you want to get more in depth with? Maybe you want to focus on a little bit uh, a little bit more closely. That we haven't covered yet. Yes, that there, you haven't covered. There Sorry. is a case coming up, um, Rama El Donoghue, and that's a missing girl. Very similar to Madeline McCann type situation, which is our most requested case. But girl, little girl of colour, got no media attention, missing 12 years ago. Just, it's a case that stood out to me. I'm actually going to go with the same one. It really stands out to us the difference between the coverage of these two cases and just how important it is to bring a little bit more attention, a lot more attention lot, yeah. to Rama's case. Where did you guys come from to be at CrimeCon today? From Newcastle, Australia. I came from Kansas City, Missouri. On an 18-hour flight. You flew 18 hours, uh, and, and you say that it was worth it. What, what are some of the highlights of uh, CrimeCon 2017? Just meeting all our pod friends and meeting listeners, getting feedback. Everyone's been so friendly, and it's, it's, it's been great. For sure, meeting other podcasters. It's, you know, we're first and foremost podcast fans, so we've listened to most of the podcasts here. So it's been really neat for us to be able to meet the people who created those. How did you two meet each other? We always, we get asked this all the time. There's uh, another podcast we listen to, Good History Dweebs. It's a comedy podcast. We're both in the group. Tim, who's one of the hosts, he wants to do a serious podcast. So he was mentioning it. I said, just go for it. Suddenly, I was doing it with him. Charlie volunteered because she can edit. She said she couldn't commit to every week. Tim dropped out after three episodes. He had a lot of work commitments. And we just, the rest is history. We just kept going, which is kind of ridiculous because we were virtual strangers when we started the podcast together. Like, we were probably... We were. We were like Facebook friends for about a month. We'd never... We actually just met on Thursday, for, like, in person for the first, first time. time. Yeah. yeah, at the airport. At, at 10 o'clock at night. We were not... We're not as friendly as we would have been otherwise, I'm sure. And then, and then we're sitting on our beds, Facebooking, commenting to each other. We're like, hang on, we're right here. Oh, you were just too used to doing that. It's how we function. What do you say to someone who's on the fence about attending CrimeCon 2018 in Nashville? Oh, definitely go. It's worth it. The sessions and meeting other podcasters and bloggers and authors. Just meeting the people you listen to and read about and see every week yeah we've already signed up for uh next yes. year so before we even finished our second day here so i definitely say it's worth it i'm nancy grace and we are here at CrimeCon 2017 and i still want to find out what happened to mara murray now as you know oxygen is producing a six-part docu-series about uh, the disappearance. They have a uh, law enforcement agent, uh, an investigative journalist, and they're uncovering a lot of information on this. Um, is, this uh, is this is this something that, that, that you think, based on your experience uh, in this industry, that it could make a difference, having an a investigative documentary series working on this? It will absolutely help. Whether they reach an answer, find a conclusion or not, it brings attention to the Maura Murray case, and I'm sure her family appreciates that. 
people will be divided no matter what goes on the air as to what happened, but it may generate tips and focus on the case, and that's very important. Once a case is described as a cold case, a lot of people lose interest. I haven't lost interest. Her family hasn't lost interest, so I have great hope that Oxygen will breathe new life into the case following in your footsteps and help crack the case. Now, um, what would you say to someone who's on the fence about attending CrimeCon 2018? I'm registered. I'm going to be there in Nashville. And don't say Nashville, okay, guys? Please do not do that. It's Nashville, okay? Well, I Wait, what, was it, what was the nuance there? Say it again. Nashville versus Nashville. Oh, Nashville. Oh. Nashville. Nashville. Like, <laughs> okay. And you do pronounce it Nashville. Well, so I've like, been told I've been corrected. It's Nashville. Okay. Yes. Yes, I have been. And I'm going to be there. Even though my husband says it's five hours to Graceland, I'm taking the children to Graceland. Okay. And we'll see. You cannot be that close and not go. I mean, what's five hours when we're talking about the key? I mean, yeah. I mean, so I'm going to be there. I'm Aaron. I'm Justin, and we're the Generation Y. It's uh, mostly true crime, but we do cover mysteries, missing persons, even cryptid zoology, uh, and, and stuff like that. Mysteries. Yeah. Anything that has a hook to it, uh, a murder that's just not quite right, if there's something awry with the evidence or possibly a wrongful conviction, things like that. Okay, is there something that you're working on now that hasn't been released that um, is maybe a passion project, maybe a case that you've been looking at and you're like, I'm, I'm glad we're, we've started this one? Uh, we, yeah, we do have one that uh, since this month is our five-year anniversary, we started in June of 2012, we uh, decided to go back and recover a case that we had covered back when, but cover it now because now we're, we're a lot more professional in how we go about covering a case. And it's it's a serial killer one. So every, every do you want to let us know what it is? Or you want to keep the suspense? All right. Well, it's a local serial killer in Kansas City named uh, Robert Burdella, and he was, I personally believe, one of the worst serial killers. He didn't have a real high body count, but that doesn't really matter when it comes to the atrocities that he he committed. You guys mentioned you're you're recovering a case. Is that like t- tell us about that that decision that went into that. It, it, does that have something to do with you guys uh, changing like your yeah, opinions kind of, changing? Yeah, 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 no, it, yeah. it has to do with our 5-year anniversary and I had actually thought about covering uh, an old case like recovering an old case every week of this month. But then in the end I think we just decided to cover one. And that one will come out about the time we actually started. It'll actually be around the actual five-year anniversary. And you've noticed a um, significant difference in the way you cover oh, cases. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. More structure. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was, it was, I won't say amateur, but it was just we're having just to talk about it. And now we dig in, we get the research done, and we really try to convey a formed story for the audience to follow along while giving our commentary. Yeah, the the trick was, early on it was, oh, if we're talking about the staircase, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, or if they haven't seen it, they'll watch it and then they'll listen to us. That's not the way to go about it. You literally have to assume that they know nothing about what you're about to talk about, and that way everybody is invited to the discussion. How did you get your name? (laughs) I... 
just made it up one day uh, when we were talking about going on the record and, and talking about my jury duty, talking about documentaries. I just thought it sounded cool, and I like to question things. I like to uh, sort of shine a light on injustices in the world, package it up neatly, and hand it back to the people to do with what they will. Very, very thorough. I should add that um, we were introduced uh, before our speaking engagement at CrimeCon by retired FBI agent Bobby Chacon, and he pointed out that we have these five W's in every case. And he said, why is the most important? Because it's the human part of the, the answer. And it's like, why did they do that? We all want to know. We don't rest easy unless we know why. How you guys been handling CrimeCon so far? Wow, it's, it's been a whirlwind so far, but it's been an awesome tornado of fun. Yeah, just speaking with the other podcasters, especially the listeners, has been a real treat. Yeah, have you found that uh, connecting with the listeners has been um, more of a pleasant surprise than you expected? Oh, I knew it was going to be great because I interact with them all the time. We, we get so many emails and messages every day that, I mean, I can tell in those that these people are passionate and they really appreciate all the work that podcasters do. Yeah. I'm still kind of uncomfortable when people run up and want to take a picture or get my autograph. Because I'm just a dude. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's on the fence about attending CrimeCon in 2018? I, I think they should do it uh, because if you're a podcast fan, you're going to meet every single podcaster that you ever dreamed of here. Uh, any authors, big time uh, news uh, people, whatever, they're all here and they're just wandering around in the hallway. You don't really have to wait in a line to get an autograph. You can just go walk up to them. They're here. They're all very approachable. No, it's it's the experience. And all of the podcasters that I've met are all very personable and they take the time to meet with you. So if you're looking to make a connection with a podcaster, it'll happen. person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers, but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait.